Africa 100, connecting entrepreneurs on the African continent and beyond. Profiling 100 entrepreneurs in 100 days. Tune in as we amplify African excellence with your host, Vanessa Paramal, on Africa Business Radio. Hello, Africa, and how are you doing? It's been a while since we've been recording... Uh, EC Africa 100, as you know now, following the podcast, Entrepreneur Connect 100 is a movement to collaborate in a network of a pan-African ecosystem. And when I say pan-African ecosystem, it's interesting that Africa Business Radio has released some of the statistics And the show is highly listened to and highly penetrated to in Europe. Isn't that amazing? That is amazing. And that's our guest. (laughs) Our our guest for today, she's so fabulous to look at. She's a mum. Nonkululeko is her name. I'm just astounded because I've happened to have a conversation with her uh, in the last 10 minutes or so that her well-rounded career move and her presence is so sobering. Thank you for joining us, Nankulureko. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, Tell our listeners your full name and the company you have launched. Okay. My name is Nonku, Nonku Njona, um, and I run a quantity surveying company, which is called Nonku Njona and Associates, but um, well known as NNAQS. Um, We're based in Johannesburg in Rivonia. NNAQS, this is for quantity surveillance. This is the sector you work in. Yes. But to answer the question about sobering, mm-hmm. so people listening in West, East, North, Southern Africa, we're always so excited that you're tuning in, that you have your coffee, and that your masterclass is about to begin. Mm-hmm. Over the last 48 hours or so, South Africa has become highly depressed. Mm-hmm. Because we have official statistics mm-hmm. that our unemployment, youth unemployment in particular, mm-hmm. is one of the highest and the most critical in the world right now. What did you think of that news when you saw the stats? You know, you think that you're moving forward. Um, the fact that I'm an entrepreneur and um, and as an entrepreneur, the small businesses, we contribute a high percentage in terms of um, employment, so you know that you are actually doing something and you're making an impact on your little corner. But when you're then looking at the overall, it just makes you so depressed. However, does not discourage you from then continuing and ensuring that you are actually here to make a difference as an entrepreneur. So. It's depressing, but it's not depressing. It actually gives you hope that there's more opportunities to come. So let's unpack mm-hmm. quantity surveying. Mm-hmm. I mean, you look like you should be on a Paris walkway, <laughs> but you're a quantity surveyor and you own your own company from 2007. Mm-hmm. You have won numerous awards. You sit on numerous boards. Mm-hmm. You're a serial employer. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have a number of employees. Draw a picture for us of exactly where you fit in in the ecosystem of entrepreneurship. Yeah, I'm just an ordinary entrepreneur who is very passionate about what I do. 
being a quantity surveyor in the construction industry contributes tremendously in the economy of our country. So just that on, on its own, as what I do is probably one of the crucial, crucial services that we offer. So we get involved when a client comes to an architect to say, I've got this um, idea or concept of a building that I want to actually construct, and I'm not 100% sure where to start. And an architect will come up with a concept, and we will then uh, put a budget together and make sure that we safeguard the client to spend what we agreed will be the budget and manage the costs and and make sure that we we are on budget within budget or are you probably auditors? have savings are you as accountants? well. We accountants in the construction industry. Okay, so breaking down your con- your accountants in the construction industry. Yes. And so you do you manage risk for your clients? Do you do foresight planning? Yes. After the architect basically draws or comes up with the concept. We will say to the client, "Mm, there's too many round areas or just, you know, too many corners or etc. It's going to be too expensive. Let's make it a lot more simpler. And this is what your rate per square meter is going to be. And should you remove this, this is what happens to your uh, bottom line. We do a sensitivity analysis. And most of the time, you know, your construction costs are usually... Um, sensitive to the income that you're also going to be getting, especially in a commercial, you know, kind of project. So we manage those risks. When a contractor is behind with his construction, we then have to make sure that we inform the client that he's behind, this is how much it's going to cost you should this continue this way, especially if the fault comes from the client's side. So when the contractor also comes up and he gives a claim for that drawdown that particular month and it's way beyond what it should be and it's not even what he's actually done so we're there to say this is not what it is so you buff this it. is what it, yeah so we're there to protect the client and make sure that it as per what was agreed as per the contract and if there are any savings to be found in that budget we are there to actually find those savings for our clients. So let's talk about savings and obviously you speak about entrepreneurship. You had a job and you went into entrepreneurship. Tell us about how you made the break into entrepreneurship. I used to work for a company called Turner and Townsend. Very comfortable in my job. I think it was a lack of drive probably those days where I just felt um, I couldn't get up, I couldn't go to work, Um, I had to go to Dar es Salaam, so I was traveling a lot as well. And so when I informed my husband, he was very excited and he then said, bring that laptop and let's write a resignation letter. So I resigned and I resigned with media effect. Um, I negotiated my salary because I had a three months notice period because at that time I was an associate director for the company. And I started working from the back of my house. I worked from from the lounge. I had a cousin who was also looking for um, employment at that time. 
So I called them in and I said, come, assist me. We used to put tender documents together until like 5 o'clock in the morning on a daily basis. So the strategy at that time was to look at all the parastatals, look at all the public sector uh, departments and register as a service provider and make sure that at least you know our names are out there and we're registered and we'll be able to I don't know, be called for any opportunity. So if you're listening to this masterclass, some important tips comes up. One, you have an exit strategy and you know exactly how to play the ball in the park. And I think so often we don't know this as entrepreneurs. Mm. Two, you had a sounding board in your husband. How did he know you were unhappy and how did you guys make provision to just end it? Do entrepreneurs, you think... Uh, have these opportunities and we and we foregoing it and not understanding the the opportunities we can create for ourselves. Mm. I think it was only that three months salary. I think I was very fortunate the fact that yes, I had a husband and he was working. I had two children. My youngest at that time was eighteen months. I had we had two cars, so we then had to look at just you know, the home expenses and look at how do we cut down costs. So he had to take certain sacrifices as well. So I sold my car. So at least I knew my expenses were actually going to be less than they would usually. So you had a plan? I had a plan, which was obviously done quickly at that time when we made the decision that I'm, I'm resigning. But I think it was more of a short-term plan rather than a long-term plan. Long-term plan was we will get a job. We will get an opportunity. So it was a determination of... Passion and determination. Yeah, passion. I will get the job. You know, three months is enough. I'd like to ask, obviously you've done it correctly. When you got your breaking point, how hard did you have to work to get there? I, I work hard, I think, every day okay. uh, till today. We've been in business for 12 years. And you have stayed in power. And I th- yes, we've stayed in power. But I think we are also at the Death Valley. Where are we actually going to go up from here? Or are we actually going to just stabilize, stay where we are, or actually reduce to make sure that we still stay profitable. It's called Death Valley. Yes. <laughs> okay, I learned a new word. You yeah. learned something new. So we're at that point and we we obviously would like to rather scale up rather than actually just remain where we are. And the reason why I'm saying Death Valley is because, which is quite interesting, when we were smaller, we actually made more profits than we are when we had more staff members now that we are at where we are we it's either we we obviously get more partners we we get visibility in other areas of of africa or you know even go overseas but you actually need money to be able to do that so which is why i'm saying death valley because where do you get that funding to actually be able to to scale up because you can't hire a junior person to be able to go into Africa. You need someone with ex- expertise. So you actually need to 
have enough money to be paying people who to resource. Actually, yeah, Tell to me resource. about your this is very much a pan African show. Tell us about your collaborations on the continent and what opportunities people listening in can tap into. We've worked in uh, Zambia. We've looked at uh, opportunities in Tanzania, currently looking at opportunities in Abidjan and Senegal. We worked very well as well in Botswana. Um, we're looking at a project with IHS at the moment. We maybe just to give you a little bit of an example because it's probably one of our flagship projects or projects that we did you know very well that I'm I'm very proud of is a project we did in Zambia because at that time there were very few South African companies that were playing in that space and a project of that size or the type of project that we were working on which was a mixed use development which was a retail hotel offices it had never really happened in in Zambia at the time wow. okay we got to Zambia in 2008 which was literally a year after we started the company and we were then put in a joint venture with a company called Davis Langdon at that time now called AECOM um to do quantity surveying services the client was liberty properties that's um, a nice client i have yes very nice client and what was interesting about that was that we basically had to convince the client between ourselves a common myself who should actually be the lead on the project who should you know should actually get more share as well and interestingly enough was that we ended up becoming the lead as an NAQS and we were way smaller than AECOM at the time so it was a great learning curve um initially when we did the budgets they were all based on one currency which was uh, US dollars by the time we went out to tender to procure a contractor we were then working with Zambian Kwacha then we had a hotel a management company which was Southern Sun um who insisted that they had to be paid in rands so we now had to be converting you know we became a from, global village in one in one client uh, yeah so it was a, it was a it was a really interesting um project um great learning curve uh we worked with a really great team as well group of consultant mainly most of them were were from South Africa and then we had JV partners uh that were based in in Zambia. I'd like to ask you before we end the show a couple of questions. Talk to us about your vision and what drives the vision. We are a catalyst for change for previously disadvantaged um communities and that's what drives me. Being black being female in a white male dominated industry doing something that I love doing something that is rare but being a catalyst to make sure that I can pull in other women to get involved is what drives me waking up in the morning knowing that I have a staff that actually believes in me that chose to actually come and work for NNAQS um who have actually become my family also drives me and it it actually gives me 
I don't know, sense of comfort that um, I've got people that I believe in that actually have my back. Right now, I'm doing an MBA and I've got people that I know are actually looking after things in, in, in the company and are driving the company forward and they understand what the vision is as well. So I like the fact that there's a shared vision and that you have committed people who buy into the vision. Before we go, what are some of the lessons that you wish other entrepreneurs don't make that you may have failed on? And uh, what inspires you? I think people, people can be very complex. The beginning, I used to take it very personal when someone actually resigns. I just did not understand why a person resigns. Why are you leaving? It took me a while to actually realize that people grow and people need to, to move and new people come in as well. So those are some of the lessons that I think we, we need to learn and that people are your biggest asset. Yeah, you treat them well, they will also reward you by actually giving you or making sure that your clients get a good service. As well, being very close to your, your numbers, uh, being very close to your accountant and understanding if you, you know, move certain parts in your balance sheet, what, what really happens and understanding what drives you. Is it liquidity or is it profitability? And I think for me in the past, it was always profitability. And I realized that going forward, it's actually liquidity. You need to have the cash flow. You need to have the money to be able to pay your month-end payments, your salaries. So really understand your numbers um, and really understand your people that you work with. I've enjoyed the masterclass because I've learned so much, even interviewing, <clears throat> excuse me, 100 people. No one uses the word liquidity. So I think as entrepreneurs, it's important to play on the same field. I thank you for coming into EC Africa 100 uh, on a podcast listened to around the world on Africa Business Radio. I know lots of people will want to engage with you. Please excuse my voice. It's just been a hard day getting over the flu but how do we find where you are what are your hashtags your websites etc we're based <coughs> in Rivonia in Johannesburg our website is uh, nnaqs.co.za and our number is 011-803-2291 we are on Twitter I just forgot the Twitter handle we are on Facebook we are on LinkedIn as well we are very active on social media. So, yeah, find us there. But I'm, I'm sure it's probably just NNAQS. NNAQS, find us. People sometimes forget their Twitter handles <laughs> like I do. Thank you for joining in. My name is Vanessa Perumal, at Vanessa Perumal on EC Africa 100, coming to you on Africa Business Radio. listening to EC Africa 100 on Africa Business Radio. Join the conversation. Hashtag EC Africa 100.